I understand more and more of what he means, that uh, his love hath animating uh, power, even though the, the joints creak more than they used to do. You know, to be active in any, any way for our, our Saviour is a joy uh, and a delight. And some of the, certainly some of the older folks in our chapel uh, begin to think, well, well what, what can I do? You know, the most wonderful thing we can do is to, well, want to pray, to pray, we can all pray, and just to be in a service and to smile and to be supportive and encouraging. You know, these are wonderful, wonderful uh, things that we're able uh, to do. And then just to say a word in season to people, uh, to share the gospel, the person who brings meals on wheels and uh, talk about the, the Saviour. We can always serve him until at last uh, he takes us and completes that work when he takes us to, to glory. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, it just comes to mind now, and seeing Nick and Sheila caught at, at the back there, I mean, the, the first time I ever came here was to um, do a, I think it was a youth weekend, and Irving Steggles was the, uh, the, the minister here. Now, he was with us just a few weeks ago, was Irving, and took a Sunday evening service and talked about the pastor's conference, but uh, this is the passage I took, I remember, Ephesians chapter 2, and so some of the illustrations you might have heard before, because, uh, you know, the old ones are the best, but... Um, Anyway, this morning was, was a glorious view of what a Christian is, and uh, I was encouraged just looking at those things again, and uh, even to speculate a little about what the inheritance uh, might well be. Certainly God, but we are physical and spiritual in eternity, and uh, we will have a body, and so there'll be a physical dimension to it uh, as well, and the glory of the universe, to be able to explore those things we can see through a telescope, but, but to be there, and I'm sure that'll be part of the glory of heaven for where is heaven it's not so much up there it's where God is uh, and God is here but he's restrained because of sin he doesn't show us the fullness of his glory we couldn't stand it but with a glorified body and a purified soul uh, the veil drawn back and what a what a glorious uh, delight that will be so heaven is going to be everywhere and uh, it'll be a delight and uh, almost like Job how our hearts yearn within us to uh, to be there and, and to see him. But Ephesians chapter 2, then the theme changes and uh, Paul is inspired by the Spirit to describe uh, what we were before our conversion. It's very abrupt. Uh, as for you, uh, you were, and he uses a pretty final word, you were dead. And uh, death is, is really... Pretty final, as uh, Basil Fawlty once said in one of the, uh, the episodes there. I, I'd say it's pretty final, uh, death. It's, it, it means a state of not being able to do uh, anything. As for you, before your conversion, you were dead. Not sick. Uh, not unwell. Uh, not half dead. Dead. And, and the Greek is as emphatic as the English translation. Dead means dead. And a dead person ca cannot respond. Now, in, in what way were we dead? We were very much alive. If you're not yet converted, then I, I was in the same position at the age of 19. I'd have said I was an atheist. And uh, uh, I, if someone had said to me, you're dead, of course I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. And the passage admits that. We were very much alive to ourselves, following desires of your own hearts. So here's my agenda. If I'm not a Christian, what's, what's best for me and my 
family, what will please me? What do I want to do today? What do I want to do next year? What are my plans for a job and for a marriage and for children and for the future? What is my agenda? So I'm very much alive to what I want to do. And also I'm alive to the, the flow of the world. And I generally, the, uh, the unconverted person, will follow the flow of the world. And what the majority see as acceptable, I, I'll fall in line with. Uh, we're pretty much like like sheep and that's how the bible describes us we all like sheep have gone astray uh, each one has followed his his own way and this is the essence of of sin and, and also and unbeknown to the unconverted person if they knew it they'd rapidly flee to christ there is one called the the prince of the power of the air it's very descriptive how that's put the prince of the power of the air now he's a fallen archangel he has many names, uh, Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, means the adversary and the, uh, the accuser. And uh, <clears throat> he hates God with a passion. His, uh, his sin was pride. He wasn't happy being an archangel. And in uh, Ezekiel 28 and uh, Isaiah 16 and Revelation 12, we learn something about his, his demise and his fall. He wanted to be like the Most High. Uh, he wasn't satisfied. He was proud of his beauty and his position, but he wanted more. And so he's cast out of heaven. And it seems a third of the uh, angels of heaven followed him and were cast down to earth as well. Now they have influence, only as much as God will permit, to, according to his purposes, but they have influence and uh, they will stir up all sorts of mischief. But so we're alive to all these things. But in what way are we dead? And unresponsive. Well, we're unresponsive to God, the, the true God. We're responsive to the God of our imagination, who's no God at all. But the real God means nothing to us, and we're dead to Him. And true spirituality, we might be spiritual, but true spirituality, no, we're, we're dead to that. So I can explain the gospel. And a believer will say, and you might often hear this, this said, oh, if I hadn't been a believer, I'd have become a believer tonight. Why? Well, because we're alive and we understand and spiritual things mean something to us. We believe in God, we believe in heaven, we believe in hell, we believe in the Saviour. Why do we believe? Well, the passage is going to tell us why, why it is that we do believe, and it's an astonishing statement here. But if you're not yet converted, if you're not yet a Christian, you're dead to these things. And so I might explain them, and you think, well, that's interesting. And actually, I quite like the way he put it. And uh, it's interesting, his, uh, his turn of phrase. I quite like his accent as well. And at least he moves around a bit at the front, and, uh, uh, and his voice goes up and down. So if I'm drifting off to sleep, suddenly uh, I'm brought back. And, and you can follow that. But that's this world, you see. And this world is two-dimensional. So I, I like this preacher. I like those hymns. I don't like that hymn. You might complain well they had a drum kit but how come they didn't use the drum kit and so that's two-dimensional but what about God the, the ultimate reality it is God himself that's another dimension and as for you says the writer here inspired by the Spirit of God you were dead not alive on this dimension but but dead to God so unresponsive to God himself. Now, religion might mean a lot to you, but the reality of a living relationship with the being of all beings 
means nothing to you. Neither can you really comprehend it. As for you, you were dead. Now, a dead person can't respond to anything. Um, so if we had a dead body here tonight, sat on the front row, I might try and interest him in something. Let's call him a man. He might be a woman. He's a man tonight. Cedric. I might tell him my best joke, and I've got one or two good ones. And I'll tell the joke, and uh, you might giggle. Cedric doesn't do anything at all. If he did, I'd be first out the door. <laughs> I might show him a wonderful work of art, and uh, uh, one of the old masters, and uh, I could show it to you. say, oh, how marvellous the, the colours and the light, and see how it dances off the water. Cedric! Nothing, nothing. I could lift his arm up, falls down again. I, I can animate him a little bit. My, that's not real life. Play him some music. Hey, what, what about, uh, I could, uh, I think one of the most beautiful pieces, listen, this will knock the socks off you, Cedric. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, second movement. Oh, I could almost cry when I, when you get home, get it off iTunes. See if I'm not right, youngsters. Have a listen to it. Seventh Symphony, second movement. Very evocative. Very powerful music. But Cedric does nothing. Why? Well, he's dead. He's dead. That's why you need a prayer meeting as a church. Why? Because people are dead, not sick. You know, there, there is a, some teaching around that... Uh, well, all, all people need is just to hear the gospel and, and that's all they need. My friends, you've been preaching the gospel for years here. Why isn't the place packed if that's all that you need? No, they're dead. They're not sick. They're not unwell. They are dead. So unresponsive to the gospel, alive to this world, alive to themselves, uh, alive to the lusts of their own heart, alive to the ways of the world, but dead to God. And that is the essence of what sin is is all about. They were dead. I was uh, dead in a real mess. In the world, in sin, as such. And again, if you're not converted, you don't understand this. And I think you have to understand it before you can ever come to faith. Sin brings a penalty and it's a powerful payback. No, nobody gets away with anything. You know, some people say, oh, Jimmy Savile, he got away with it. Now, I am not his judge, and neither are you. But no one gets away with anything. <laughs> Nobody actually gets away with anything. There is a day when all accounts are, are settled. And we feel that's right as well, don't we? Um, Joseph Stalin, who saw around about 60 million people off to an early grave, he died peacefully in his bed. And did he get away with it? Well, nobody gets away with anything. There's a day when everything is settled and the judge of all the earth does right. But where does that leave you and me? As we point the finger out there, what about me? It's not just what I do, it's what I think and my attitudes. And sin is putting myself first instead of living for God and his glory. No, because of sin we are objects of God's wrath. You might find that a hard thing to bear but it's a reality there really is a day of accounting 
and a holy, pure God. What is God's wrath? It's his settled opposition against sin. God never flies off the handle. God never flares up. He has a settled situation. He is holy. To put pictorially in this way, our God is a consuming fire. Now, no sin can survive fire. No bugs or microbes survive fire. I mean, Domestos kills 99% of all germs dead. But what about the other 1%? But put a bug or a microbe in fire, it's not going to survive. God, a consuming fire. To be an object of the wrath of God is a terrible thing. But if you're not converted, this means nothing. Uh, to you, I, I, I'm all right, and I, we almost feel we're, we're immortal, but one day we have to, to face him. And through sin, we're in a mess. I've gone my own way. Instead of living, to, why should I live for the glory of God? Well, here's a little thought. Who gave us life? Well, he did. Well, that, why should I love him? Because of, of that. Well, whose air are you breathing? Well, it's his. Whose food do you eat? Well, it's, it's his. By whose power do your cells divide? Well, by his power. Uh, you take your next breath by his permission. Do, do, wouldn't it warm your heart at all? Why, why would I want to go my own way? Do I think he's an ogre up there somewhere? No, no. He's a holy, glorious being who made me for one supreme reason. To know him. That's real life. What, what is life? Well... I try and find satisfaction in many places, but it only comes in relationships. And the key one is the relationship I was made for with God himself. But sin has torn all that away. More than that, it leaves me as an object of the wrath of God. Essentially, I'm in a mess. I was dead. Got a dog at home called Pip. And he's a border collie, wonderful dog, very, very friendly. We got a note on the door on the gateway saying, "Beware of the dog." It's a joke, really. I mean, come in, he might lick you to death. That's the only thing that's gonna gonna happen. Or his tail might wag so much it might give you a whiplash burn or something. But uh, there is a lovely dog. Before that, we had a dog called Jess, who was uh, interesting, also a border a border collie retriever cross. I think she got the worst of both breeds. Anyway. Uh, as a puppy, she ate anything and everything. We had a basket for her in the utility room, just off from the kitchen. Lovely little space, nice and warm, nice basket. Put her in the basket at night, close the utility room door. In the morning, she was in the kitchen. Why? She'd eaten through the utility room door. Big dog-shaped hole, and she was in the kitchen. Um, so we had uh, one of a pair of shoes. She'd eaten the other one. Or one slipper, she'd eaten the other one. Um, so going back 20 years now, I got 50 pounds from the bank, I put it on the coffee table for my wife for the week's housekeeping. It's 20 years ago, mind. Wouldn't go far today. And a uh, little while later, I said to my wife, did you take the 50 pounds? No, I didn't. Well, you must have done. No, I didn't. Well, I haven't got it. I put it on the table. And I looked at her, she looked at me. We both looked at the dog. <laughs> the dog looked at us. Now, the only possibility was that she'd eaten the 50 pounds. I followed her everywhere. <laughs> when she went for walkies, I had a plastic bag and my little plastic gloves. 
and uh, I made sure I was watching her on all the... It won't be too graphic, but after 24 hours, the right deposits were emerging from the dog, and I, I collected all the bits for the next day. I got back 40 pounds. I did. <laughs> but it, it, was in, it was a mess. And to extract that money from the mess, I don't want to be too graphic, but we're, we're in a mess. We are actually in a mess outside of Christ. And who cares? Now, I cared about that money. I went in there. All right, it, it, a sieve and a, a garden hose and the deposits washed away, but the money stayed there. And it was in bits. And I had to then wash it and carefully and take the bits. I put them on a piece of paper. I stuck them together. And I took the best part of 40 pounds to the bank. And I arrived at the bank, the cashier was there, and I explained the situation. And I handed, and she took a step back, and it caused quite a titter around the, the bank, and uh, out came the, uh, the chief person there and uh, looked at it, and because the majority was there, I, I got 40 pounds back from that situation. We're in a mess. We're in a mess. So what, what happens then? How do we get from this awful situation of being dead to God but alive to sin and in a mess and object of the wrath of God? How does it happen that we become children of God, adopted children, and uh, heirs of God himself and all that he has made? Well, the passage is very clear. Verses 4 through to 7. How does it happen? But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, now notice this phrase now, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So what happened to us? Now, there are many occasions where uh, preachers wax eloquent about the buts of the Bible. What well, here is one of the most powerful ones we could ever, ever find. We were dead, but I put my hand up at a meeting and it's all glory to my hand going up and but for me... Uh, going down the front and praying a prayer. What, what does that end up with? Well, glory to me. Well done me. I believe and I'm in heaven because I believe. What a great person I am. And you're not in heaven because you didn't believe. But I did, so I'm there. And in eternity, I'm going to boast. I believed. And so therefore, I'm going to be in heaven. It's not what the Bible says. The prime mover. No. Got to finish the sermon, all right? So stay with me. Don't walk out just yet. You have to believe. Of course you have to believe. And it's in the passage. But notice the prime mover. My friend Cedric can't laugh at a joke. He can't appreciate the art. He can't hear the music because he's dead. And I can't respond to the gospel. And God means nothing to me because I'm dead. I'm not sick. I'm dead. But something in this passage, a very powerful truth, comes out here. I was dead, but God made me alive. 
The prime mover in salvation is God himself. He intervenes and where there's death in the soul, he gives life. Now the technical term is regeneration. Um, to be born again. Let's listen to what Jesus says to uh, a religious man. Oh, he had religion, he had great teaching, he has the law, he's risen to be a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That's not the question Nicodemus asked. The answer Jesus gives is quite different to the question that, in fact, he doesn't even ask a question. Nicodemus, he makes a statement. But Jesus makes that powerful point. Nicodemus doesn't understand. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Here's the teacher of the Bible. Now, there's a, an umbrella term called conversion. Once I wasn't a Christian, now I am a Christian. What happens in this middle bit? How, how, does, it, how does it happen? Why do we need to pray so urgently for children, for parents, for, for neighbours? Why is the prayer meeting of the church perhaps the key meeting uh, in the life of the church? It, uh, it animates uh, a Sunday service. Uh, it brings meaning and depth and colour and dimension into it. Here's a dead person. Been to church many times. Quite enjoys going to church. Goes because, well, he likes the people there and they serve uh, some nice coffee afterwards and some nice cakes. We, we can chat with people. Uh, he comes to this particular church because he enjoys the mix of uh, modern hymns and, and older hymns. He's not too sure about uh, this particular Eden because the preacher just chose a lot of the old stuff. But nevertheless, uh, he quite enjoys it. And, uh, but basically, he's still unconverted and uh, he's quite a, 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 a person who's pursuing his own agenda and he goes because he likes to go. He likes to go. He's heard the gospel many times, but has never truly responded, never become a member. He sat there one particular evening and uh, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear the sound, you don't know where it's come from or where it's going. Suddenly, it's like that says Jesus with the Spirit. So here's a, a person been coming for many years and the Spirit suddenly, and I know you're a believer anyway, but I, so I, you wouldn't be embarrassed by me using you as an example. He, he comes to you and it happened to you at some point. It happened to me. 4th of August, 1976. Sat in a service. Now, remember going to the service atheistic in my thinking I've been arguing with my cousins and uh, I thought well look I'm a scientist I'm a chemist by profession I'll do an experiment I'll pray before I go in 
see if it works. God, if you're there, it's obviously important. I'd like to know. That was my prayer. And I went into the service and I was sat there. And suddenly it all becomes very real. <laughs> Things I hadn't understood fall into place. The jigsaw puzzle suddenly makes itself. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> and uh, I understood it. That the mist suddenly lifted. Holy God, pure creator. Sinful me made to know God, but he has gone my own way. It's a terrible thing. It's a principle before it's an action. I'm a, I sin because I'm a sinner. It's what I am before it's what I do, and I'm a sinner. And it's brought this gulf, and I deserve the wrath and the anger of God. What a, what a wretch I am, denying him who's given me my very breath. And then you see the wonder of Christ and what he's done. He lived for me. He died for me. He's, he came to take away my, my sin. And uh, then the appeal comes at the end, and I... I've been converted where I was sitting. I believed it all, but I went down the front and I certainly nailed my colours to the mass. Now, what happened between me praying the prayer and then me walking down the front? Spirit moves and suddenly comes to one person. And there's a, there's a switch in the centre of my being. Now, here I am, physical. I've got a body, not a bad one. Roof's coming off, but uh, anyway. <laughs> but I, I, I'm really a soul. I, I, I dwell in a body. But I'm a soul. It's my soul that thinks. So I've got a mind. I, I like things. I've got a heart. I make decisions. I have a will. Uh, I have a memory. I remember things. It's not my nose that remembers things or my ear. It's my, my soul. And I have a conscience. My kneecap has no conscience about anything. But, but I do. But all these parts of my soul are not me. The real me is what the Bible calls the inner man. And before I was converted, he's the old man. And he's dead. So I've got a mind still and a heart and a will and a memory and a conscience, but I'm dead. So along comes the Holy Spirit. It's a regeneration. He turns the switch. Self, me. I'll go my I did it my way. What and people request that him at funerals. It's amazing. Did it my way. You're going to meet your maker. Did it my way. Living for self. And then suddenly he throws the switch. Born again. I was dead. God, 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 the Spirit. He, he made me alive. <gasps> there is a God. Now, that can happen outside a church context. I've had people coming to church in, in recent years. There's a guy, he came uh, two years ago now, sat on the back row on a Sunday morning. I said, what? Nice to see you. We haven't seen you before. What's brought you to church this morning? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. Suddenly, I, I, I've, I've got to go to church. My wife thinks I've gone crazy. I, I got a Bible, I've started reading it. I don't know why I'm here. Well, what's it all about? So we'll, just, we'll talk afterwards over coffee. Now, clearly what had happened, now, un, under the preaching then, he said, that's, that's it, yes, yes. I, I, I believe all that. What you're saying, what you're saying, it's true, and there is a God, and I am a sinner, and there is a Saviour. Well, what had happened to him? He hadn't been coming to church, but God had given him new life. He'd been born again. But that's not conversion. That's the beginning. You were dead, God made you alive. Now you, now you can understand. 
Now, I don't know if you youngsters are converted yet. You've been coming to church all these years. Why is it I don't believe yet? That's why your parents pray. That's why a prayer meeting prays. And it's in God's time. Now, if you sincerely want to be saved, don't get over anxious. Seek him with all your heart and you'll find him. He doesn't mock you. And Jesus really does say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. It's a, it's a genuine offer. But suddenly, you know, there's my friend and uh, he's called Mike and he suddenly just appears in the church. You've been coming for years. But it can happen to you here as well. Now it's in the context, last week it meant nothing. This week, it all makes sense. Falls into place. Why? Because the spirit moved. And suddenly you're alive. And if I could give life to Cedric, he would laugh at my joke. He'd appreciate the painting and he'd love Mozart's seventh, no, Beethoven's seventh symphony's second movement. And he'd start crying. Why? Because he's got life takes away all glory from man it's nothing to do with the preacher it's not your prayer that saves you know we can say all these things it's not our prayers not our bible reading not our church attendance not our good deeds of course it's not it's jesus christ but who who makes it possible for us to even respond at all because i was dead well the spirit gives me life you were dead but god made us alive and he gives us this new life. And having new life, I hear the gospel. And the gospel's command is clear. Repent and believe the good news. Repent of what I am before of what I do. Don't worry about, oh, I've been too bad. My friend, you're not too bad. Because it's not what you do. It's what you are that's the problem. That's the issue. And sin is going your own way. Now, some people's expression, because, uh, well raging passions they might go to real excesses you've been a goody goody two shoes and a nice little boy haven't you but you've got the same problem and god has the same penalty called the wrath of, of god and there is a hell why why would god make you alive why would god make me alive there's something special in in you or me, well, there are three terms used here in the passage to why God moves. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive by grace, you have been saved. I see three things there. I see love and mercy and grace. And what is love? Well, there are three Greek words for love. You know, there's eros, an erotic love, man, for a woman, a sexual love. We know that there's... Uh, philos, phileo, uh, a friendship love. Now, uh, eros, there's an attraction I get from you, you get from me, something, something mutual. Uh, phileo is uh, you like uh, Swindon Town, I like Swindon Town. I can't imagine that happening, but let, let's go along together. I like rugby, you like rugby. I like cricket, you like cricket. Uh, we've got, we, I like train spotting, you like train spotting. We've got nice anoraks, uh, matching anoraks, and off we go, and there's something mutual about that. Uh, uh, stamp collecting, and we get, get together. Mo people, model railways. We got four model railway people in, in our chapel. They went off to an exhibition in Birmingham last week together. They didn't invite me. Why? Because I'm not interested at all. But they've got this mute, and so, friend and it's a mutual friendship. But, but this love, you understand, don't you? It's, it's agape, agapos. 
and there's no reason behind it. I love you because I love you. And it's nothing in the one who's loved. He's not getting anything back from them. And the, the, the mess of that money in, in the mess, there's no, nothing, nothing attractive about it. It's, it's a mess. Nothing attractive in you or, or me. God loves us because he, he loves us. And then the next word is, is mercy. Mercy. What, what is mercy? It's not giving somebody what they deserve. Mercy. The story about Napoleon Bonaparte and uh, there's a soldier in his army who did something actually worthy of death, but he was a fine soldier. He'd shown outstanding bravery. And so when the case came up, Napoleon uh, dismissed the case and he said, "On this, no, no. Char charges dropped and he's set free. Then the soldier foolishly did the very same thing again. He's rearrested and Napoleon, that's it, that's it. He's condemned uh, to die. Now, the young man's mother went to see the emperor. She pleaded his case. Sire, sire, I, I plead mercy for my son, but he doesn't deserve mercy. But sire, if he deserved mercy, it wouldn't be mercy. I plead for mercy. And Napoleon is so moved by that. He can't deny what she says. Whether it's true or not, or just allegorical, he, story goes, he, he, he let the young man go again. Sire, if it were, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Do we deserve forgiveness? Certainly not. It is mercy all, immense and free. Oh my God, it found out me. And then there's this word grace. It's bigger than mercy. Whereas mercy is I don't get what I deserve, which is wrath. Grace goes above that and gives me what I don't deserve. Uh, sonship. An inheritance. So now I'm actually adopted. He doesn't just forgive me my sins. That's pretty neutral. It's great. But to leave me as just a forgiven sinner messing around on planet Earth with a, a vague hope of maybe or maybe not. Well, that's good, but it's not enough. He adopts me into his family. He makes me his son and he gives me an inheritance. And this is, this is grace. This is grace. So, so here tonight, if throughout the meeting you have been particularly antagonistic and uh, maybe you've uh, heckled me throughout and maybe one or two have walked out and pulling faces at the windows and tutting and nodding and then one or two start throwing bottles at me, uh, plastic ones, please, plastic ones. And then at the end of the service, I, I say, well, I, you know, you've been an unruly bunch tonight, but I, I do forgive you, that's, that's mercy. I'm not going to call the police. Now, I, I will come again if you ask me. You probably wouldn't ask me, but that, that's mercy. Then I go and stand at the door, and the lot of you have been a rot, really rotten lot. And as you go out, I start giving you 50-pound notes. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. That's not mercy. What's that? I can think of some words for it. <laughs> but God does more than that. <laughs> he forgives me the wretch that I've been and he makes me his son it's a legal remember this morning it's legal a legal adoption and he, he chooses to have me as his child and he says you inherit the kingdom and you're a co-heir with my beloved son Jesus Christ this is this really is quite quite staggering so how does it happen? 
Well, here it is, this, this famous verse, verse 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. So once I'm made alive, I need to respond. And it's faith in Christ. It's to believe, it's to trust. It's more than believing intellectually. It's to rest in his finished work. So there's the finished work of Jesus Christ. He lived for me, he died for me, he rose again. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Rest in his finished work. It's not what I do, it's what he's done. And I rest in, finish with religion and trying to twist God's arm. I, I rest in what he, he's finished, he's done it all for me. Faith, reaching out, touching, trusting. There was the woman who just, if I just touch the hem of his garment and, and then she runs away. Who touched me? It's good to own up. Have you touched him tonight? It's good, it's good to own up. Don't, don't run away. Don't run away. Uh, make, make yourself known. Believe. By grace you're saved through faith. But then, again, it's made very clear, this is not your own. So I didn't work it up. It's not... See, coming, becoming a Christian is not a balance of probabilities. And, and tonight, some of the balance was tipped. And I, I think probably there is a God, so I'll, I better believe. It's not that. It's not that. It's a gift of God. When he regenerates me, he puts the seeds of repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. And they will, they will grow and they will show themselves. And don't fight against it. Uh, be, be delighted it's there. You, you might wonder, has it happened to me? My friends, I've got, let me tell you this. There's been a guy called Nigel coming to my church for 10 years. And I, say, and I preach the gospel every week and I say to him, Nigel, Nigel, have you believed? Are you a Christian yet? Oh, I's not good enough, he says. I's not good enough. I, I, I tries. I'm trying to be better. I think, what am I preaching here? What am I preaching here? Where's he got that idea from? For 10 years, he comes twice, and he comes to the midweek prayer meeting as well. Oh, and that's a great service tonight. Oh, it's a great one. But he, he doesn't see it. <clears throat> It's a miracle when you see it. And I think if you see it, be, be, of, be of good cheer. If you can understand the gospel, there's well, something wonderful about that. Because it's God who opens blind eyes. We preach Christ, Rico Tice says, and he says, we preach, preach Christ, God opens blind eyes. Holy God, simple me, Christ the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so no one can boast. But I love verse 10 with this week clause. What's the point of it all? Why am I saved? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now what are these good works? Well, to love God and to serve him, to enjoy him, to speak of him. And I feel my lack, so he's provided Wonderful means of grace that I can be, if you like, spiritually refueled. So I, I, I read the Bible and I, I pray. And when there's a service, I, all right, to be honest, at times you've got to drag yourself out, but better be there, be there than not to be there at all because you know, God can suddenly speak and I didn't feel like coming tonight. Then there's certainly you say, oh, but I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went. How can we serve him? We need to be empowered. How are we empowered? Well, God has given means. And it's 
Read the Bible, say your prayers, uh, witness for him. Get to the corporate means of grace. So wonderfully, still two services, many churches are giving up and thinking, well, once is enough. Is it? Is it? What a delight to hear his word, to worship him with his people. There's a special blessing on the corporate gathered uh, church. This is why we're saved, to serve him, to glorify him. He gives us the power to do that through the means he's given to us. And true grace will show itself in a changed life. There's a hymn that we, we sing in, in St. Melons. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roam. Since Jesus came into my heart. And, uh, well, that's it. There's, there's those ten verses. What, what we were, dead. Alive to sin, but, but dead. What happens? God makes me alive. Regeneration's been born again. He throws the switch. That happening, I find myself able to respond. And uh, I believe and I, I repent. And uh, I'm made a joint heir with Christ. And then I'm able to do what he made me to do. Uh, do good works, which he prepared for me to do uh, beforehand. Now, has it happened for you tonight? If it has, glory to God, do, do make yourself known. Don't run away. Don't think you can touch the hem of his garment and disappear quickly. You need to identify uh, yourself. For me, going down the front in Brisbane, Australia, 4th of August, 1976. For you, it might be just, hey, something happened to me tonight. Let, let somebody know. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for a brief time again in, in your words, uh, great truth, difficult truth, some of these things. And uh, we, we do pray, Lord, you continue to work in our hearts. And seeing the state of men and women and children, young people outside of Christ, oh Lord, uh, drive us to prayer. Uh, the only answer is that you will move in, in power. We thank you for mercy drops. We pray for floods of blessing. Lord, in this poor land of ours and these poor nations of Europe and this poor, tired Western world uh, as well. And then we think of dark... Uh, uh, parts of the world where the gospel is closed. Oh God, what hope is there? We thank you our hope is in God. But Lord, what we pray on about others, we, we pray you wouldn't pass us by here. Uh, and tonight, Holy Spirit, that you will give life and it will be manifest uh, and clearly so. To your glory we pray. Amen. Closing him, 586. Something for thee. Well, I'll tell you what you can do to, to believe. That will be something beautiful and, and wonderful. But as Christians, uh, what do we do in response to his great love for us? Saviour, thy dying love, thou gavest me. What can I do? Something for thee. 586.